Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. And don't forget why you're here to also subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Let's get into it. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but a whole bunch of top 10 teams have lost over the past week. Number one, Purdue has lost. Number two, Houston has lost. Number three, Kansas has lost. Number five, Tennessee has lost. Number six, Kentucky has lost. Number eight, Arizona has lost. Number nine, Oklahoma has lost, and number 10, Illinois, has lost. 80% of the top 10 in the AP poll took a loss in the past week, but number four, UConn, did not, and number seven, North Carolina, did not. Deadleg, we've talked a lot about UConn so far this season. I don't think we've spent much time on North Carolina, so let's open on North Carolina, the Tar Heels. 13-3 and overall, they're now 5-0 and in the ACC, alone up the league standings. Six-game winning streak, they haven't lost since the CBS Sports Classic down in Atlanta. That was December 16th, nearly a month ago. UNC now sixth at Ken Palm, seventh in strength of record, seventh in the net. They were only 19th in the preseason AP poll. Here's my question for you. Is this one of those deals where we overrated North Carolina last season based on what happened the season before, and then we turned right around and underrated North Carolina this season based on what happened the season before? Based on where we are right now, that seems to be the case. We'll see if it winds up being true once we get to March. But particularly after this kind of week, and Paris just laid it out, with so many teams in the top 10 losing, I got a Jared Burson special for you too. You might have seen it. But uh, Jared Burson, uh, stats guru, college hoops, uh, he sent out word that eight top 10 teams losing on the road this week to unranked teams marked the first time since February of 92 that top 10 teams lost at least eight times on the road. They went one and eight back in that week. This week, top 10 teams were four and eight after Memphis was able to get it done. Or Memphis not a top 10 team. Uh, three and eight, uh, Memphis did win on the road earlier on Sunday. So to your point with Carolina, um, Carolina and UConn were the two teams in the top 10 that got out of this week unscathed. And so because of that, AP poll refresh on Monday and UNC will likely uh, scoot up and probably should scoot up. It, it's certainly been playing as better than the 19th best team and is looking is looking damn good. It's this uh, this win streak that it's on. You said it hasn't lost since the CBS Sports Classic. Is that right, GP? That's right. Lost to Kentucky at the CBS Sports Classic. Has not lost since six wins in a row. 
So it's 5-0 and in the ACC. It's in the driver's seat in the ACC right now. In that six-game stretch, 60.3 points per game allowed for the Tar Heels. They are getting it done with defense more than anything else and committing fewer than 10 turnovers per game over that stretch. So holding teams to a relatively low number there, of course, and then not giving away has been huge in that. They dropped, dropping 103 on Syracuse. You know, sometimes these teams get these wins, and they can get it in kind of like laugh or blowout fashion. You look up, and it's like, okay, whatever. It's an 85-62 kind of win. I mean, you get, you get 103. On, and Syracuse isn't going to go to the tournament. I get all that. But this was Syracuse's largest loss in a conference game since 2006. Shockingly enough, they dropped they dropped a game back in 06. Syracuse did to DePaul by 39. That's when DePaul really I meant did. something. We missed those days. 06 DePaul was no joke. So that was the last time Syracuse lost a game by, uh, by a margin close to what it did against uh, UNC on Saturday. Um, Give Carolina credit. And we'll go big picture microcosm. Uh, you know, in the micro, they had 58 points in the paint. They basically did whatever they wanted to. RJ Davis returned to life. He had 22 points. That was a game high. He had four three pointers. Armando Baycott had a double double. And they just, they are winning the games they should win. And sometimes they're winning them beyond measures we would even expect there. They are moving toward, um, Moving toward like that top five status, I, I hesitate just a little bit because, as I said on HQ Saturday, you know, UNC and UConn, they didn't get caught up this week, but almost everyone certainly will. UConn's already had obviously some bumps that took the road loss against Seton Hall and all that stuff. So I still think that's probably likely to come for Carolina. But as the as the title here for this YouTube video suggests final four is now on the table for unc it is now in that discussion for carolina fans they might have felt like they were they were there a week or two ago but you know got to see how you can build it out in league play i have them there i mean there's a lot of final four candidates but this is a nice uh a nice turnaround for a team that had you know some more inconsistencies earlier in the season i remember trying to get some uh get some explanations out of hubert davis and he didn't have any for me when unc got uh overwhelmed against uconn at the garden but since then he and that staff have figured some stuff out good on the tar heels they look like the best team in the acc right now yeah they're five and three in quadrant one with zero additional losses you know there are other teams with as many quadrant one wins kansas also has five arizona also has five but only purdue has more with six so carolina is an elite company when it comes to quality win uh, the victories the notable ones they beat tennessee beat oklahoma uh, they've beaten Clemson. They, that right there is three wins over top 30 net teams. The losses are to UConn, Kentucky, Villanova. They're all away from home. So zero losses to sub-35 net teams. Um, it's a good resume. I, I moved North Carolina up to number four in Sunday morning's top 25 and one. I've got Purdue one, Connecticut two, Kansas three, North Carolina at four, and Tennessee at, at five. Just to contrast it with last year, 13-3 and three right now, 5-0 and oh in the ACC. It's January 14th. A year ago on this day, January 14, 2023, they were 11-6 and six overall, 4-3 and three in the ACC, and on their way to missing the NCAA tournament after being ranked preseason number one. So this season is going more smoothly, and a lot of it is because of R.J. Davis. He's taken another jump. Um, Career-high 20.4 points per game. Uh, shooting 43.2% from the field, a career-high 41% from three on 7.3 attempts per game. Like, from a statistical standpoint, Armando Baycott is mostly the same player. Points slightly down, but that's because attempts are slightly down, field goal percentage slightly down. 
The 10.8 rebounds per game for him, it's it's slightly up from last season, but still down from two seasons ago. He's much better from the free throw line than he's ever been. He's nearly at 80%. But the real statistical, um, the guy who took a leap on that roster is, is R.J. Davis. He's been their best player this season and um, and one of the best players in the country. Let me ask you this. Do you buy this? And I don't mean this as a shot at anybody because it could be a shot at one person and then a compliment right back at the same person. Do you think North Carolina is a top 10 team because in part because it lost Caleb Love and Arizona is a top 10 team in part because it got Caleb Love? I think there's definitely something to that. We'll get to Arizona here because it's not as rosy at the moment down there in Tucson. But yeah, I think that's part of it. I also think that RJ Davis had a little more, uh, a little more canvas to paint on this season and the complimentary pieces like Harrison Ingram and, and what he has given this team is it's, it's obvious. He is a very good, well-rounded offensive player. And so his addition is almost emboldened Davis all the more. And he knows that Cormac Ryan stepped in, played well, Cadeau continues to get better. So uh, Davis has been the team's best player. Um, Many thought that would be Baycott. Davis was well-established coming into this, but now he's building out an All-American season. And because of that, um, you know, I kind of repeat here, to me, it's it's UNC slightly in the driver's seat in the ACC over Duke. It's just UNC. <laughs> look up and hello, here we are. You know, it's just UNC. From a metrics perspective, it is UNC and Duke. In the standings right now, Carolina is the only ACC team without a loss. Meanwhile, Duke... NC State, Wake, and hello, Florida State. Yes, now sometimes this is subject to the schedule, but credit to Leonard Hamilton's team. All of those teams are at 4-1 and one in the ACC behind UNC, which is 5-0. and oh. um, But I, t- I, I think it is just as much about what UNC's roster has been able to do around RJ and losing Caleb. But, uh, but I would say it's more impactful Caleb going to Arizona than UNC losing him. Yeah, but I just thought it's interesting. Like you, you can't. Just, if it is addition by subtraction at North Carolina, then it's addition by addition at Arizona. Um, you know, because two, both of those teams are Final Four contenders, and North Carolina looks like a better version of North Carolina the year after Caleb Love's not there, and Arizona looks like a Final Four contender. Um, in part because Caleb Love is is there. I don't think Arizona would be as good as it's been this season, um, if not for for Caleb Love. For North Carolina, up next, it's at Louisville at home on Wednesday. Uh, then it's Boston. So this is the week for them. Louisville and Boston College. Um, after that, Wake Forest, Florida State, Georgia Tech. So the Tar Heels aren't going to play another ranked team until they host Duke on February 3rd. So they could keep this thing rolling maybe, for a maybe bit. Wake- Maybe Wake gets there. I don't know. But yeah, but wait, as, as wait, it stands wait. right now. As it stands, how about this? They will not play another currently ranked team until February 3rd when they host Duke. So they they could, the six game winning streak could turn into seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 game winning streak pretty reasonably. Yeah, no, they're they're looking good. And what a breath of fresh air this must be for UNC fans after the up and down of last season. Teams really got it going. And it, as fu- as fun as Davis can be and, and Ingram and Baycott is just, he is a reliable guy in the paint for the most part. It is the defense. They are, they are tapping into something here where their defense is stepping up in a big way. And this is a big jump because the team, the first two seasons under Hubert Davis were not like this defensively at all. And uh, something has changed here. We'll see if they can keep it up. Uh, top of the ACC. If you looked at the Big 12 lately, the standings are wild. Undeniably best league in the country. Standings goofy through three games for everybody. We'll get into that next. But first, quick a word for, from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we are three games into the big 12 schedule and uh the standings are all over the place right now tied for first baylor and texas tech are both three and oh in the league scott drew grant mccaslin the uh baylor coaching tree is strong Tied for third, we have four teams, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, and TCU, all with two and one records. And then we've got a slew of teams tied for seventh with one and two records, BYU, Houston, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Texas, UCF, West Virginia. Down there at the bottom all by itself, yeah, Oklahoma State Cowboys at 0-3. Houston, right now, dead leg, is ranked number one at Ken Palm, tied for seventh in the Big 12. What do you make of what we're looking at right now? Well, uh, uh, on some level, how this can't be surprising, right? Because it's the toughest league and you're having teams take road losses across the country, ranked or unranked. Trivia time. Okay, come on, let's go. You get it here. Uh-huh. There were only three ranked teams that played on the road in the past seven days and did not lose. Can you name the three teams? Memphis. Four, excuse me, four teams, four teams. Memphis is the fourth. I did this trivia time last night and then I have update Memphis, so it's four. So Memphis is one of them, yes. Illinois? <laughs> no. I don't think so. Wow. Should have been. Yeah. Wisconsin. Wisconsin's one. Yes. Let me look at ranked teams. Oh, uh, uh, North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina is one of them. Yes. And there's one more. One more. And Illinois was- didn't play on the road. You made me fact check. Illinois did not play on the road this week, so they don't apply to the question. Well, they, could oh, have. They, played, they played at home and they lost to Maryland. So we'll, we'll get there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot. That's my bad. Memphis, Wisconsin. Yeah. Did you give, um, me, any, did you give me any other teams? No, I'm, about, I'm, about, I'm about to give you another team. I'm about to give you another team. The other team is uh, clearly Iowa State. <laughs> Don't believe it had a road game. The other two teams are UConn 
and Duke. So only four teams ranked played on the road this week and did not take a loss. Memphis, Wisconsin, UConn, Duke. Anyone in the Big 12 stand up if it applies to you? It doesn't. So that just speaks to the strength of the league overall. Um, guess we'll open on the Kansas game here because it was a top 10 matchup ranked on rank. Kansas has won 24 in a row against Oklahoma in Fog Allen Fieldhouse. The Sooners have not won in that building since 1993. And the thing about it is that Kansas won this game despite having its worst three-point night of the season, only made uh, three out of 15 three-pointers, but it only had two turnovers. Another big game from Hunter Dickinson. And in terms of the Big 12 and what we're going to wait and see on here, Oklahoma is one and nine on the road in its past 10 games. Just keep an eye on that because... In theory, Oklahoma, I guess, could split and go undefeated at home and, and and not win a game on the road. And would that be enough to get it into the tournament? I actually probably think that it would. But Sooners might need to steal a couple here on the road in the best league in the, in the country. And uh, they don't have a good recent track record. So we'll see if they can if they can turn that around elsewhere. And, I'll, and then I'll throw it back to you. Houston losing another game. Not a surprise. You and I both picked TCU. You and I both went 4-1 and one in the final 4-1. and one. And for Houston now to drop two road games, they're understandable because it's Iowa State and a TCU. Both teams tracking toward NCAA tournament inclusion there. TCU now at 13-3 and three overall. Houston had won 12 straight road games. That is now done. The longest streak in America for road games is VCU at 10 among high majors. It's the team we just talked about. UNC is the longest road streak among high majors in the country with five straight road wins. No, uh, no real shame here from Houston as far as I'm concerned. TCU was... Uh, was roaring and ready. It re- it's responded well from that Kansas loss a week ago to beat Oklahoma and Houston and Emmanuel Miller, um, a little bit unsung. I mean, certainly I guess a well-known player. I mean, he's, he's been doing his thing for a while, averaging 17.6 boards and is a 50% shooter. He came up big late in that game. And that was a big win for, uh, for TCU. How we break down the hierarchy of this league GP, I guess is this where it gets interesting because you look at the standings, Baylor and Texas tech, you have to take a scratch. Congrats to Grant McCaslin for doing what he's been able to do. 14 and two, getting a home win over K State. Um, we'll see. Like it's Texas Tech has a road win against Texas, which lost at West Virginia. By the way, you take a look at Texas. How about this for a weird one? Ranked, it's going to drop out Monday, but it's it's the rare case here where a team is ranked middle of January, right? GP second week of January, however you want to define it, and then halfway through a season, it doesn't really have a tournament resume. I don't know if Texas would be in the field if we started today, if we really dig into it. If it did, maybe Dayton territory there. But the, Texas Tech has the win at Texas, win over Oklahoma State, win against Kansas State. My point is, it's a good start. No guarantee any of those teams make the tournament. We'll see. Doesn't matter. Your new coach, first year, 14-2. and two. Um, The Big 12 is, uh, you know, what, what do you want? It's an absolute beast here. And I thought it was an intriguing weekend in terms of results there because some stuff reinforced what we believed. And then there's a couple of surprise teams. And I think... I think Tech would qualify there. And then the Texas loss at West Virginia is kind of the eye-opener. Like, hmm, what do we have there in Austin right now? And are they going to be able to get things going? Because right now, I think there's, with that relatively healthy record, if you really dig in, GP, there's there's not a lot of meat on that bone. Yeah, I would expect Texas to drop out of the top 25 of the AP poll. I would expect TCU to move in. TCU got two top 10 wins this week. I moved them into 25th of the top 25 and won. The Horn Frogs should be ranked on Monday. I'm not worried about Houston. I dropped them, obviously, but not too far. I think they're sixth now in the top 25 and one, one spot ahead of Memphis. You know, that's just like, you're not going to have many weeks in your big 12 schedule where you've got to go play two road games against likely NCAA tournament teams. But when you do, I, I don't care 
if you're Kansas, Houston, Baylor, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, it does not matter. Any of those teams, if you give them two road games against NCAA tournament teams in the same week, they're, they might go 0-2. Like, you could go 0-2 in that stretch and still be a legitimate Final Four contender, and that's all I think that happened to Houston. You'd rather split them or win them both, but a lot of people would go 0-2 in the stretch that, that Houston just played. For what it's worth, Ken Palm still projects Houston to win the league with a 13-5 and record, got Baylor at second, 12 and six, then a three-way tie for third, Texas Tech, Iowa State, BYU, 11 and seven, and then Kansas, TCU, Oklahoma at 10 and eight. That means Ken Palm's currently projecting Kansas to finish tied for sixth <laughs> in the Big 12 with a 10 and eight league record. No. That's, dis- that's disrespectful. How about that? Uh, yeah, well, it, hard to envision, right? As good as the league is, hard to envision that actually wind up being the case, but that's the projection there. Uh, Houston, is still number one in every mainstream predictive metric across the board, net included. Um, so, and it's good to have that balance because the results should matter, and they and they do. But uh, predictive still still in on Houston. Now, the gap is definitely narrowed here. You got Houston, then you got your likes of Purdue, Auburn's up there. Carolina's climbing. Arizona is still in that conversation, even with its recent loss there. Um, yeah, Big Twelve's a Big Twelve's a whole lot of fun, but I think I think the most meaningful result of the weekend. I almost think it was Kansas because Kansas, you know, and the game was on ESPN plus. So maybe some of our audience wasn't able to watch it. Uh, it was a 78, 66 win. And as I said before, like Dickinson did his thing. Dewan Harris played extremely well. And Furphy wound up starting, by the way, Elmar Jackson, who we had talked about, um, wound up coming off the bench. They, they, both played like 18, 19 minutes a piece there, uh, but they got it done. And it's a tough ask for Oklahoma to go in that building with Kansas coming off the uh, loss against UCF. But just to kind of course, correct a little bit here, and get the win, fourteen and two overall, two and one in the league. It's not a surprise. I don't know. I just I was curious to see what kind of Kansas team we were going to get. And to me, I watched the game. Oklahoma gave it a good go, but as it went down the stretch, it, it seemed to be in the most command. I would put the most stock in that. If you want to say Texas Tech, I get it. That team has not lost since November, and they get the home win there. So now they're establishing. Maybe they're going to be the one that pops out of it. Uh, it might it might well be the case. Um, I don't know. We wait and see on that. Someone in the chat, I will mention this team that we didn't bring up yet. Someone mentioned Cincinnati. They're one and two, and they could be three and zero. Oh. That is true. They have the road win against BYU. They shouldn't have lost the game to Texas, and then they went down there and they played a hell of a good game on on Saturday night against Baylor. The Bears wound up winning sixty two fifty nine. Just get used to it, man. Uh, the Big Twelve is the best television in the sport because every freaking night, man, there's at least one got to see a game. And as the case on Saturday, we said we had like four or five of those bad boys. So we've talked North Carolina. We've talked to Big Twelve. Norlander is going to let us know what else we need to know from the weekend next. But first, one more word from our partners. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, 
and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, Deadleg, what else happened this weekend that mattered? All right, let's bump up this, uh, let's bump up this whole uh, itinerary here because we're going to lead on Maryland at the top. It won 76-67 against Illinois right before we came on the air here, and that's a notable win for Maryland because it is a resume adjuster. Now, the Terps did not have an NCAA tournament resume coming in. This is a quad one win. Jameer Young had 28 points, 8 assists. Julian Reese had 20 and 11, 11 being the boards there. Maryland gets level in the Big Ten. They're 3-3. Three and three. They have they have had the Illini's number. They've won like 10 out of the past 12 or 13 games against the Fighting Illini. So whatever it is about these two schools, Maryland has come out on top, and that trend certainly continued on Saturday. And as a result of that, Parrish, Wisconsin now has a two-game lead in the Big Ten. So Bucky has not had a 5-0 and start as it has now in 16 seasons until now. But by nature of this Maryland upset against Illinois, it is. It has given because remember P- Purdue still rates as the best team in the conference comfortably. It has the roadie L's against Northwestern and Nebraska. So yes, it's sitting there. Purdue, Indiana, Illinois, Northwestern, and Minnesota all have two losses. Meanwhile, Wisconsin, which has only lost once since November 14th, and it was that game it got absolutely destroyed against Arizona back in uh, the second week of December. Wisconsin at 13 and three, five and zero overall has some real. That's some real comfortability in the Big Ten. Any thoughts on uh, on Bucky well, or, or what happened right before we jumped on the air here with Maryland getting that win? Well, listen, I I, I've, I just wrote it a few days ago. It feels like how Illinois had held it together pretty well, um, you know, in the absence of Terrence Shannon. But eventually, that is the type of thing that catches up to you, right? And and uh, I always assumed they would start falling back uh, to the pack a, a little bit, and and maybe this is the first real sign of that. Um, as for Wisconsin, somebody tweeted me middle of last week, just noting that, you know, every time the AP poll comes out, somebody's like, you got to bring back the poll attacks. You know, I almost want to, I'm like, I'm like that Nick Saban meme, right? Like, I'm not going to do it. So quit asking. I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm almost as so, so quit asking. So, um, but the question was simple, like, hey, there are three people, three AP voters who left Wisconsin completely off their ballot. Can that be justified? Uh, they, they were uh, they were actually like uh, maybe requesting more of a just just uh, insight as opposed to a, an actual poll attack. And I looked at it and I was like, no, it can't be justified. Like, it, I, I don't remember where they were then, but like it just updated. It's, it's just a better version of where they were, but like they were already in a good place. Um, they're now four and three in quadrant one, four and zero oh in quadrant two, eight and three in the first two quadrants with zero additional losses. And again, all the losses falling in quadrant one. Got six wins over top fifty Ken Palm teams. Like that, that's a strong resume. I've got Wisconsin in the top ten of the top twenty-five and one. Let me make sure I've got it exactly right where I have them. I've got them up to eighth in the top twenty-five and one. I still think Purdue is going to win the Big Ten, probably by multiple games, but uh, but maybe not. Maybe Wisconsin can be a worthy challenger to the Bullermakers. They have, by nature, yeah, I think they've, in getting the win over the weekend and continuing to build out their resume, I think Wisconsin has uh, has opened up the possibility here. We'll see if they can continue with this of of making an interesting uh, situation. Now, they beat Northwestern. Northwestern's a solid team, but it, was, it wasn't a road game there. Wisconsin has road wins against Michigan State and Ohio State in the league. Its next game is Tuesday at Penn State. Then it's home against Indiana. Then it's at Minnesota. So, 
And then after that, it's got the return uh, home game against Michigan State. We'll see. It's it's looking pretty decent for Wisconsin right now. I will still lean Purdue, but at least it's intriguing. Let's get to uh, the most exciting game on Saturday. Texas A&M won against Kentucky in overtime. Uh, certainly a, a thrilling game, a game that arguably shouldn't even gotten to overtime because it seemed like there was something of a phantom foul called against A&M on Reed Shepard, who flashed a little bit of a grin before stepping to the line and coolly sinking two foul shots to get it to the bonus session. A&M wins 97-92. It's the second resume win. Maybe they, I, I take that back. It's probably the third resume win for A&M this season. Get the one against Kentucky. They already had one against Iowa State. They won against Ohio State. That's probably going to be uh, probably worth something uh, down the way. They also have a road one against SMU. The, they had been up and down all season. It was the only time, by the way, AM had won against Kentucky when it was Kentucky was in the top 10 ever. So a little bit of program history there. And uh, it was AM's first ranked win of the season, getting a victory over a team that was ranked at the time. Um, GP, Kentucky's six game win streak is over. Um, Thoughts on uh, thoughts on the game. Thoughts on Wade Taylor and Tyrese Radford, like doing what I thought they would do more often than not. And they are such a good duo. But Taylor had 31. Radford had 28. Um, they were outstanding. But yeah, any uh, thoughts, takeaways? On what it, it, was, it was a fun game. Um, I was going to say I'm glad A&M won. I don't mean it like that. I don't get twisted a million different directions. I don't mean I'm glad A&M won. I'm just like, I would hate to see a team lose after there was such questionable calls late in a game that they seemingly um, had under control. I think the right team won. I guess that's what I'm saying. Um, for Kentucky, I dropped them down to 15th in the top 25 and one. UK fans seem very offended by this. Now, well, but, where were they prior? Do you remember? Were they like, are we talking like a 6 to 15 drop? Something like it was that? like I said, maybe an 8 to 15 yeah. drop, something like that, perhaps. Um, but it's, you know, like, like I've explained a million times and I can explain it another million times and it will not matter. Um, but I don't get caught up on how far somebody dropped. I just look at your body of work and go, okay, where should this, where does this belong today? And when you start looking at Kentucky, th there's not much there. Like right, the, the, up, Cause I haven't, let me look, let me look here. Let me lay it out. Unless you're, you want to lay it out? Cause I'm looking. I mean, I've got it. I mean, first off, just some basic numbers. They're 26th in strength of record. They're 18th in the net, 18th at Ken Palm, 23rd at Torvik. All right. So I've got them 15th. Okay. All the computers got them lower than I got them. A good nugget. Okay. They're two and two in quadrant one, only one and oh in quadrant two. So they're just three and two in the first two quadrants with a quadrant three loss to Wilmington yeah. at home. They've got a, a big and great win over North Carolina on a neutral, but their second best win is over Florida. So uh, both these things can be true. If you ask me right now to name 10 teams I think can win a national championship, I'll tell you that Kentucky is one of those 10. I got them in there for sure. But if you tell me right now to name me the 10 best bodies of work or resumes in the country, Kentucky's not sniffing that right now. The resume does not match the potential. All right. So this is an, this is an interesting situation with Kentucky. Because I didn't realize they were, relatively speaking, that low in the metrics across the board. They're not registering as a top 15 team. They're absolutely one of the 10 most entertaining teams to watch. And, I, and their ceiling seems to be, their ceiling, frankly, seems to be top five-ish. But body work isn't there right now. And the predictives aren't as in on them. But yeah, I I put them in the top ten most likely. But that is uh that's interesting though. The Florida win GP mentioned that is a road win 
Um, so it, it, it carries good weight to Wilmington when that's a, that's a seed line loss. There's no doubt about it. Um, so yeah, interesting. I think they'll, I think that Kentucky will wind up. It's interesting how Kentucky and Kansas are kind of in the same, the same boat there, right? Um, uh, blue blood programs uh, that just aren't registering as high as you might think they were just despite, you know, relatively healthy records. Kentucky's 12 and three right now. Losses to Kansas, just took number three to A&M. And then there's the, uh, the Wilmington one sandwiched in there. So keep that in mind. The next two UK games are Mississippi state and that's at Rupp and then Georgia at Rupp before playing at South Carolina at Arkansas. We'll certainly have reason to talk about UK before we get out of January there. I will know Antonio Reeves. Uh, he had, uh, five three-pointers uh, on in against AM and uh, and also played pretty, pretty well. Um, go to the other side of the country, another blue blood level kind of program, Arizona losing to Washington State. Now, it's not a surprise that on the show on Friday, gave you at least a little heads up to keep an eye on it. Uh, 73 to 70. Arizona is now 12 and four overall. It's three and two in the blah pack 12. And yet Arizona is, is a team in part because of how it's been able to blow out so many squads that predictors are still in on here. Meanwhile, Washington state, not exactly a tournament resume yet, but it did jump from 65 to 51 in the net overnight. So good job there. Where do you have Arizona now? And a a, a quick aside conversation that I at least wanted to place at your doorstep here. Zona is 12 and four, but here's how it's gone since mid December. Loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, win, loss. Do we think that Tommy Lloyd will get Arizona back on track to this level parish where we're going to have either like a minimum call it a, a seven game win streak or shy of that, you know, winning 10 out of 11, even if they can't put like, do you think that Arizona still will have this in them given the conference that it plays in? Cause I, I'm now hesitating on that. And I probably would have said otherwise prior to the game on Saturday. I do believe in Arizona. I do think they'll go on some winning streak of note. I don't know if it'll be five games or eight games, but they'll do one of those. Um, I think they'll win the league. I still think they'll win the league by multiple games, but they aren't, you know, after starting eight, no, just four and four in their past eight with three of those losses coming to currently unranked teams. They are like five and three in quadrant one, though. They got they got big wins. Duke, Wisconsin, Utah, Alabama, Michigan State. Again, only Purdue has more quadrant one wins than Arizona. Um, but the losses are starting to stack up. I've got them tenth to answer your initial question. The wins are still strong. I've I've got them still in the top ten of the top twenty five and one. But they're the only Pac twelve team I have in right now. Um, Utah just on the outside looking in. And I considered Oregon based on a five start in the Pac-12, but the Ducks are just three and two in the first two quadrants, and then they got a quadrant three loss to Santa Clara. Um, they've got some winning streak right now, but still zero wins over top 50 net teams. So not enough there yet for me to get Oregon in. I would actually have Utah ahead of Oregon right now um, mm-hmm. in my rankings, but both Oregon and Utah out of the top 25 and one. I uh, got Arizona still in the top 10, though. Yeah, I think Utah is better than Oregon, but we'll note, as uh, GP just said, Oregon undefeated in the Pac-12, 5-0, the only undefeated team in that league. Oregon and Arizona are scheduled to clash in Eugene at the end of the month. Keep an eye on that. Let's stick out uh, out west here. Uh, let's talk Mountain West one more time here because a couple of, really a three-pack of results here over the weekend that I think is notable. Boise State wins at Nevada on Friday. So 64-56 win. That was significant. Uh, it helped to the point where now the top six teams in the league have played exactly 100 games as of this podcast and have won 84 of them. 
84 and 16 combined record for the six best teams in the Mountain West. Hashtag six bid Mountain West. It's becoming a thing, Parrish. Better than 35% chance per Torvik as of Sunday to be a six bid league. Five bid uh, is even better than that. And it is really cruising toward that on CBS. New Mexico took out San Diego State. Lobos are 14 and three. I thought that was another huge development toward a potential six bid Mountain West. Uh, Jalen House at 26, Jamal Master Jr. 19. JT Toppin had himself a game. It was a convincing performance for the Lobos, who got a good push in the first half. And it was great to hear Raph on the call, by the way, in the pit. I wondered aloud if he had actually had been there. And then uh, coincidentally enough, later in the broadcast, he said, yeah, indeed, he had been on hand, on site, which is no surprise after the fact, but for the 83 Final Four, where NC State obviously famously won that title that year. Um, Raph's been everywhere. I know. Well, I actually would wonder, like, when it comes to him, like... I would have I would have assumed like a, yeah I would have assumed it's the pit and there was some sort of NCAA tournament thing there right. I would have because we, we we've taken I do think at this point in my career the one place I've never been that I would that I wish I could get to is the pit I think I've been everywhere else I no that's not true Hilton Coliseum I've never been I'd like to yeah. see Hilton Coliseum I'd like to see the pit I answered this in a court report and the answer was Bud Walton I got there this season the pits up there um I don't know what my number one would be, but Pitt would be like top three. I've never been to Illinois. I want to get there. I've um, been to Illinois. As an aside, I just want like I do wonder what are the two or three most notable arenas, if they even exist, that Raftery has never gone to. And if they're not notable, has he what high major? Like has he ever gone to? Can't figure that Raft's ever been at Oregon State. You know that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> just generally, maybe, you know, I might hunt him down and ask him. Uh, Anyway, the, the win snapped a seven-game... Uh, the, the win for New Mexico snapped San Diego State's seven-game win streak. And one of the keys in that game was Jaden Ledee, who was averaging... Uh, he went into the game averaging 22. He was held to 15 points, had four turnovers, and uh, just a good job by New Mexico overall. And then the third part of this is Utah State winning at UNLV. So I don't know if you saw it perish or not, but uh, but it was outrageous. So Utah State was trailing most of the game, was down by as many as 13 in the second half at Vegas, down four with less than 10 seconds to go. Darius Brown for Utah State. He makes a three-pointer. And it's, they're down by... So when he, the ball leaves his hand, Utah State is down four on the road at UNLV. The three goes in. As that's happening... One of the great names in the sport, great Osibor for Utah State, winds up getting an off-ball foul. So he is the victim to a little bit of a shove, a 50-50 call maybe, to be honest. But he is fouled. It's a separate incident to the shot itself. So the three counts, Osibor goes to the line. He makes both of them. So Utah State, and I don't want to say we never see this, but it's just rare. It's like It feels like a once-a-season thing at best. Down four has a five-point play, and then UNLV still had time to take it back but missed the shot. At the uh, at the buzzer, what would have been the game winner there? Osibor had twenty four and fourteen. His free throws gave Utah State its only lead of the game. Ian Martinez also had twenty four for Utah State, and he had six three pointers on eight shots. A really a, a hell of an escape. Like Utah State's tournament resume would have been mildly dinked, but even even more so. Parish Mountain West. We've talked about him recently. Why not? Hell, why not again? They'll be on <laughs> the league will be featured yet again this upcoming weekend on CBS. Um, are you with me? Six bids. It's a possible thing. After you said in the preseason, I think I think I gave you over under 4.5 at large is outside the big six, and you heartily and enthusiastically took the under. The Mountain West itself might hit the over, my friend. Yeah, I think I might have I think I might have been misguided. <laughs> I think it's possible I was misguided. I was wrong. Feels like I might have been misguided a little bit. 
Hey, if we were starting the tournament today, I'd have six in if it was today. Yeah, I'd have six in. Yeah, which is wild. But if you look at the resumes, it's it's justified at this point. Absolutely. I mean, I've got three of them in the top twenty-five and one. Got Utah State all the way up at fourteenth. Hey, here's a little here's a little thing to keep an eye on out there, you little poll watchers. Watch, keep an eye on this tomorrow. Utah State. Tell me who's got a better resume right now. Okay, Team A or Team B? B. All right, let, let's blind. Hold on, blind. Hold on a second. Oh, it's, it's a blind. January fourteenth, and we've oh, already. Yeah. I'm already calling out media members for saying you don't want to see this team in a tournament that does not start for two more months. Okay. All right, can we dial down that you don't want to see them in the tournament? And now you're going blind resume. You know what? You know what the funniest thing about you don't want to see them in the tournament is, is that about half the time somebody says it, I go. I wouldn't mind seeing that team in the tournament. About half the time somebody says it, I don't even agree with the premise. <laughs> it's like a team fighting for its life to get into Dayton. You do not want to see these guys in the tournament. No, I no, I would love to see these guys. Please let me play them. <laughs> they stink. <laughs> Please. I don't even agree with the premise All half right. the time. Blind Bro, resume. Oh, it's blind resume time. Let's team go. A. Okay. Team A. Yeah. Is um Two and one in quadrant one, four and zero oh in quadrant two. So six and one in the first two quadrants, no okay. additional losses. Six okay. and one in the first two quadrants, no losses outside of quadrant okay. one. Team two is two and two in quadrant one, one and zero oh in quadrant two. So three and two in the first two quadrants with a quadrant three loss as well. So I got six and one in the first two quadrants, no additional losses, or three and two in the first two quadrants with a quadrant three loss. Okay, so obviously team one's Utah State, right? Right. Okay, so who are they going up against? I'll say with a quad three loss, you said? Yeah, we just talked about him. Oh, well then. Uh, it's, Kentucky. it's Kentucky. It is Kentucky. Okay, I was scanning here for two lost teams. Okay. There, there is no... I could, put a, I could put that blind resume and we could frame it a million different ways. Yeah. And the only thing you would be able to say is, well, I think team B's got a bigger win, it looks like, than team A. But in terms of entire bodies of work, it's not even close. Team A over Team B. Everybody would agree. Team A is Utah State. Team B is Kentucky. See which one is rated higher uh, in Monday's AP poll. Kentucky will be higher than Utah State, and it'll be wrong. I've got Utah State 14th in the top 25 and 1. I've got Kentucky 15th. Okay, look at that. And Utah State. Go Aggies. Go go Aggies. Utah (laughs) State, by the way, tied for the nation's longest active winning streak. Trivia time. What's the Uh other school? You might have seen, maybe you've seen, maybe uh, there's another school, not a high major tied for Utah state, 15 straight wins. UMass Lowell, not UMass Lowell. Let me see if UMass Lowell is even on a one. If let's see if it's even on a skid right now, UMass Lowell sitting there at 12 and four, the Ooh. Mississippi river Hawks, Mississippi Five river Hawks. Game win streak for the Mississippi river Hawks. there, coming off a win Saturday, 86, 82 at home over UMBC. The answer is of course, Bucky McMillan's Sanford Bulldogs, who won 134 to 96. They have won 15 in a row. And I got one more Burson drop for you. So per Jared Burson, Sanford's quote, Sanford's 134 points are the most by a division one team in a regulation conference game since Troy beat Chicago State. Who the hell knew Troy and Chicago State were in the same conference? 140 to 131 in the Mid-Continent Conference. You grew up on the Mid-Continent Conference, didn't you? It's now the Summit League. No, 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 no. Back in Jared January. Jared Burson, for people who don't know, he invented ESPN Stats and Info. 
He, he, and one, he did not, and two, he no longer works there, but he still has access to this entire database. We appreciate it, Jared. Back in January of 95 was the last time an intra-conference game saw, that didn't go to OT saw a team hit at least 134. Sanford beat VMI 134-96 to win its 15th in a row. Congrats to Sanford. Couple, uh, couple more whip-arounds here before we get out of here. At least want to note that Georgia was angling for its first 11-game winning streak since 1947-48. Holy crap, dude. But it didn't happen. They had won 10 in a row. They were in. They were down early to Tennessee. Then they took the lead uh, after trailing, I think, by 14 in the first half. And then Georgia went ice cold. It missed 12 of its final 13 shots. Tennessee hit seven of its final nine shots. Tennessee ended the game on a 15-1 to run. Tennessee got a road win against Georgia. Dalton Connect has now come back to life. He had hit a little bit of a slump there, but now... He has 64 points in his past two games. He had 36 against Georgia. That's a big-time win for Tennessee on the road against a Georgia team that might well go to the NIT. This is the kind of game where, like, you had it. You get this win. Maybe you can start building up a tournament resume because there's some empty calories on a Georgia Georgia non-con, but didn't happen. Good win by the Vols. It was up on 6.09 to play. It was 75-64 Georgia, and then UT closes on a 21-4 run. Went from down 11 to six-point winners. Connect gets 36 points on 20 shots. Oh, but people been on me for Tennessee too high. You've got Tennessee too high. So, you know, about middle of the way, second half on Saturday, just sitting around watching basketball, doing expense reports, trying to, you know, hang out with my kids. My phone just popping wild. Oh, oh Parrish, you watching the Vols? I, I guess after they lose, you'll move them up to number two. You know, that kind of stuff. I didn't say a word. I, and then the game went final, and I was like, well, surely these people will at least delete it. You know, <laughs> nothing. Never hear from them again. They ain't say nothing. Tennessee came roaring back. Nice victory on the road. What do we got upcoming for Monday, Tuesday? Let's get a little viewer's guide in here, GP. What do people need to know about? Well, Monday's a national holiday. It is. Dr. Martin Luther King Day. I'm here in New York for a, a rare Monday appearance. We got, uh, we got games all day on CBS Sports Network. George Mason at George Washington. LaSalle at St. Joe's. American at Loyola, uh, Maryland. North Carolina A&T at Hampton. Elsewhere around the country, Ohio State at Michigan. Oh, there's two big, big brands that could use a win, huh? That's uh, a yeah. That's we've got a doubleheader on Fox, noon Eastern Fox, Ohio State at Michigan. Um, yeah, Ohio State's got an NCAA tournament hopeful future. Michigan does not. Uh, yeah, and then we've got Villanova at Marquette, two thirty Eastern on Fox, and both those teams also find themselves in a relatively, you know, as urgent I guess as it could be in mid January here. But Marquette. You know, trying not to have more losses by January fifteenth than it had through the entire regular season last year. I just realized I, I, it'll be one of these rare opportunities where I'll be in studio with uh, JJ Watt. <laughs> yeah, JJ Watt going to dip in. Well, what what will happen? I assume here because the the Bills the game got moved to know, Monday, right? And apparently, although our own Jonathan Jones said earlier on Sunday, he's. He, while the plan is to play this game Monday, I guess it's not out of the question that maybe it even gets bumped uh, even later. Um, if that does not happen, yeah, there's a, there's something called the bullpen, which is a which is a viewing room where everyone goes to because um, there's two different studios. So you might be <laughs> you and you and JJ Watt on this on the, on the same bullpen row there. That's uh, that's quite a vision. I'm gonna I'm, I'm tackle JJ Watt tomorrow. That, that will not be happening. I'm tackle JJ Watt just to see if I can do it. I just want to test myself, you know. 
Yeah, that, that's uh, I, I I advise against it. But if you feel like you feel like you got, I feel do like it, I want to test myself. Yeah, I feel like there have been people that have tried that on JJ before, and I want to start with the best. I want to make sure I'm challenging myself properly. Um, yeah, I don't know if they've lived to tell the tale. So as long as it just don't make it an HR violation, that's all I'm asking for you, bud. All right. Yeah. No, I'm not going to say anything inappropriate. I'm just going to tackle him. Yeah, I know, but isn't is that not an HR violation? Just to- a blind no, 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 no. I think I think today in corporate America you can tackle people. You just can't say anything. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I think that's where I think that's where we're at now. It's it's okay. You can tackle people now, but buddy, you better not call them something. Okay. What do we have on Tuesday? Uh oh, oh man, this Purdue at Indiana. Listen, that's a seven Eastern tip, and Indiana's. It's not a tournament team right now, but you win this game at home, things change a little bit. Got it on the home floor. They did it last season. If memory serves correctly, I believe Indiana beat Purdue last season when Zach Eady and co. walked into that building. So we'll see if they can go back to that. I, I think Indiana beat them a, a million times last season. Um, I mean, the Blue Blood program at home, what, do you, what more do you need? I assume Indiana, it should be no problem. It's a Blue, uh, Blood, program, it's a blue Blood program at home. I'm not going that far. What else? It's a got? Blue Blood program at home. Well, what, what's the problem? Okay. Blue, I'm not picking against a blue blood program at home. Well, I don't think we're picking this game, period. It's a Sunday show. I know, but I'm just saying, just just so you know going forward, I'll never pick against a blue blood program at home. I do not. You think I got, you think I got idiot tattooed across my forehead? What else we got on Tuesday? Baylor at Kansas State. That's a good one. It's another meeting between Scott Drew and Jerome Tang. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, I got my doc up, so I'm not looking at the video. It, it sounded like you're about to choke up at the idea of these guys reuniting to, to coach. <laughs> I was. No, we've just reached the point in the season where sometimes when I'm talking, I just lose my breath. Okay. <laughs> it happens every year. I'll okay. just be talking, and then I just I can't speak anymore. Just run out of air? <laughs> yeah, just run out of air. I just run out of air. Breathing. How does it work? <laughs> it's tough, man. It's tough. Breathing's harder than you think. The older you get. Actually, I think it's the one thing that it's not because you do it subconsciously without even knowing it. I don't think it's I don't. You think. I don't. I have to think about it. <laughs> okay. I have to constantly think about breathing or else I'll just stop. St. John's at Seton Hall. All right. Let's get on this one. It's 830 Eastern on Tuesday. Seton Hall has won five straight. It is tied with UConn atop the Big East. Kadaria Richmond's looking good. Providence is slipping. Seton Hall is now rising and has effectively replaced Providence in that that NCAA tournament conversation there. 13 blocks against Butler, the most uh, by any opponent against BU this season. Good win for Seton Hall. It's been actually, it's, it's had a relatively good success against that program over the years. So, so we've got St. John's playing at Seton Hall. And St. John's went on the road over the weekend, played against Creighton. It was a really good game, almost got the win, um, but did, wasn't able to pull it out. So now St. John's is one game behind in the Big East. I believe Nada has the video here. This got shared a bit. If you didn't hear it, or even if you didn't want to hear it again, um, Patino has been exceptionally good with the media since getting the St. John's job. Um, very quotable. We've highlighted him on the show. And uh, I don't, fully understand the setup of the question, but I think I can understand why this kind of got asked because it's a tough game on the road against a tournament opponent and 
Patino knows it's been a building job. So maybe the reporters kind of ask, hey, what can you learn? Are you satisfied with the effort? Nada, why don't you queue up uh, what Patino says here? And by the way, this is an earmuffs situation for any kiddos with you. So uh, hit that fast forward maybe uh, a couple times. This is an earmuffs situation. Go ahead, Nada. Die of frostbite. First of all, many ways to go. Man, I would not want to go with frostbite. I get, I mean, the studio's cold every night, and that makes me uncomfortable. I can't imagine what frostbite would be like. How about that one from Patino, man? Man, oh, man, he's giving us something every single week. Hey, I get I get him not wanting moral victories, but, like, broadly speaking, you watch St. John's lose at Creighton, and you walk away from that going, that's a good basketball team. Yeah, absolutely. But I guess yeah. that's what makes Patino Patino in that like <laughs> dropping the F bomb and, and him hating. And that is absolutely something that that's true. There's a there's a clip from when he was coaching over in Greece that I came across a few weeks ago uh, that I just watched. And uh, knowing where he is now and where he was then in his life and his career, it's just so interesting to watch after that because he is in it man it's a, it's a it's a video clip from him in the huddle just going after his team and chewing their asses out and same guy he's always been but uh but yeah if you if you thought that because patino got back into the limelight back at the power conference level has st john's doing decently well and that there might be a certain level of contentness with his life there might be like broadly speaking but the guy i guess just can't stand losing he also had let me let me share this too we don't have the video of this but i'm gonna re- i'm gonna read this because this this whatever is going on, and I don't fully understand it. And part of me almost wonders if like Hurley and Patino are in on the bit. But this developing alpha dog rivalry that is happening here is wild. So this is Zach Braziller, who does a great job covering uh, St. Johnson, has for a long time for the New York Post. Here's Patino after the loss. Quote, I don't yell at officials during the game. This is going to sound absolutely berserk. I think it's a form of cheating when you're trying to get calls on every play and cursing at the referees and citing the crowd. I don't believe in that, end quote. Okay, listen. Welcome any and all Patino content, but the but the man has the capacity to just say things that are utterly either not based in reality or, com- or just are completely tossing aside things that he has done himself. And this is the latest example of it. Are you And the fact that he thinks going after the officials is a form of cheating. You're going to tell me that I can't pull up, Parrish, a thousand instances of Patino chewing out a ref? I will say this. One of my favorite favorite memories uh, of being a a Memphis beat writer involved this kind of stuff. I've told this story before. I'll try to give the quick version. But it's like Memphis against at Louisville is coming up this week, and we're on the Conference USA Com, you know, media call on Monday afternoon or whatever day it was. And it's like, uh, John, you know, and, and the way that would work is, uh, you know, they, they'd introduce him and join us now as uh, Memphis coach, John Calipari, coach Calipari. Thanks for joining us. You know, push star nine. If you have a question, coach Calipari, your opening comments and, and Louisville is like ranked in the top 10 or something. Somebody can fact check all this, but Louisville's good. Memphis is a little shaky and it's Memphis at Louisville, I think in freedom hall, but maybe yum center, but I think it was so far back. It was freedom hall. So it's like opening comments. John comes on and goes, well, listen, Louisville's obviously great. 
Um, the thing that's going to give us a chance, though, is we've got a Final Four crew on the game. I mean, the refs that have been assigned to this game, it, it's like it, it might as well be a Final Four game. And so I now know like we at least – I know at least we've got a shot, right? They're not going to let them grab them. They're not going to let them grab us and hold us and and grab us and hold us and grab us and hold us because, like, that's what they do. And when they get away with that, you got no shot. And so I'm just glad we have a Final Four crew on this game because I know, like, opening whistle, as soon as we get going, when they grab us, they're going to blow the whistle and they're just not going to let them play that way. And as long as they don't let them play that way, we've got a shot. All right? Fast forward game starts. And it's it's foul, foul. I mean, they call like immediately a bunch of fouls on Louisville. Like there's multiple players in foul trouble. Patino is furious. And after the game, Patino said, it might have been even before the game, but certainly at some point, Patino said, that is the, like, I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember the exact words, but it's like, that is the most classless thing I've ever seen. <laughs> he was working the refs on a media conference call earlier in the week. And it's like that John Calipari, you just pull the little string in his back and see what words will come out. And it was like a thing, but he was furious at John for working the refs even before the game even started. It's good stuff right there, man. And, and, and Patino Hurley. I don't even know how real this is, but it can never be Patino Calipari because that at its apex was was true, just hate fuel. But um, this is a great thing for college basketball and for the Big East. Um, they meet in the garden. They obviously previously met uh, back at UConn, hosted the game in a couple days before Christmas. They play again in February. St. John's at Seton Hall is a big game on Tuesday night. Two more to, to watch. Iowa State plays at... Just, just one last thing I was going to say on Rick, and then we'll move on. Because you made the point about you watched a clip of him in Greece... And he was like in it and like you're watching him and he's uh, this weekend at Creighton and where everybody's going, man, St. John's looks good. He just can't, he can't appreciate that because he can't deal with the loss. Um, One of the things I've learned about Rick over the years that I wouldn't have assumed about him, but once you spend time talking to him and being around him a little bit, um, one of the things I learned about Rick is he is super rich and super famous because he is in a profession where if you're great at it, you will be super rich and super famous. But this would be his profession no matter what. He's a basketball coach. Yes. Like, don't ever forget, he was just coaching at Iona with all the money in the world. He doesn't need to work. He can't stand not being in the gym. I talked to him one time in that brief time where he was actually out. And he was like, I'm just bored out of my mind. He said, people think I miss like the games and putting on the suits, being on TV. He's like, I miss the individual workouts. I miss the practices. He's a, he is a super famous, super wealthy basketball coach. But if, if basketball coaches made $80,000 a year, he, I think he would still be a basketball coach making $80,000 a year. He just, he, he loves coaching and that's why he's still able to do it at an extremely high level this deep into his career. Yeah, Patino, just keep. Yeah, that's great. That's a great point there, Parrish. And uh, as long as he can keep giving us uh, weekly quotes, that would be uh, incredible. I mean, the, the, he names dropped Trilly Donovan on the conference. <laughs> <laughs> just incredible stuff there. Uh, two more to get you out on on Tuesday. Iowa State at BYU nine Eastern, and then Utah State at New Mexico ten thirty Eastern on Tuesday. A uh, couple really good games there, and the latest in the Mountain West. Before we get out of here, okay, you got any other thoughts on college hoops from the weekend? Or are you done? I think I'm done. Okay, because we gotta we gotta address something here. Hmm. Nada, can you just play the video and then I'm gonna ask Paris the questions here. Just play the video because we gotta something's fishy. 
Hmm. Well, he's right here, ladies and gentlemen, Gary Parrish and Bennett Doyle from Grind City Media's Gary Parrish Show. And tonight, they're going head-to-head with Ralph and Austin in Gary Parrish's Trivia Challenge. All right, the rules are simple. I'm going to ask some questions. The first to raise their paddle and answer three correct questions is going to be the winner. Are you guys ready? Question number one. Who is the head coach of the 1987 NCAA Men's Basketball Champions? Gary? That would be the Hall of Fame legend, also controversial, late great, Bobby Knight. That is correct. It's one to zip. All right, next. How many times has a 15 seed beat a two seed in the NCAA tournament? Gary? If you count last season, that's going to take us up to 11 because Princeton has a 15 seed upset Arizona. That is correct. It's two to nothing. You guys need to get on the work here. All right, question. Next question. Jacob Gilliard holds the all-time NCAA steals record. How many steals did he record? Gary? So he played five years of college. And he had a career-high 108 in that fifth year. So it's 466, I believe. 466 is correct. That was the biggest load of crap I've ever heard. Okay. Okay. What is going on? Okay, before you're even talking here, I, one, I, I, so I see this video late last night, right when I'm about ready to turn in. Thankfully, it was Trivia Challenge because I swear to you, if I heard Trivia Time, I wasn't even letting you on the pod today. So thank you. If that was your call, you know I wouldn't have been okay with it if it was Trivia Time. So it was Trivia Challenge. E- explain yourself. There ain't no way in hell... That you knew the answers to those. So what is what is the purpose of this? Well, what, the first thing you got the first thing you got to remember is that Jacob Gilliard played five years of college basketball, so the numbers are going to be abnormally high. Yeah. Then you got to remember that he had one hundred eight in that last year or whatever it was. It got us to. I just I'm just smart. I'm, sometimes I'm smarter than people. Sometimes I'm smarter than people realize. Okay, then here trivia time. Okay. All right. Who was the head coach of the team that won it all in 1988? I mean, you had Larry Brown. Larry Brown. There we go. That was the easy one. Okay. Who was the first 15 seed to win an NCAA? You know, every single one. You know how many times it's happened? Yeah. What was the team? What was the year? Who was the loser? Give it to me. Well, I know Missouri Missouri got caught that one time. That was about the seventh time that it happened. I need the first time a 15 ever beat a two, Mr. Trivia Challenge. Yeah, that was... uh... That was um, UMass Lowell. I was wrong. Richmond, 91. Who'd they beat? Yeah, that was, they beat, um, I was wrong. Syracuse. That's right, Syracuse. One more. You had all the numbers on Jacob Gilliard. I'm not even going to ask you for the numbers. I'm just going to say the other side on the defense. Who's the all-time blocks leader in men's D1 history? Um, He's got a weird name. All t- I mean, you had, the, I mean, it took you six seconds to give me the Gilliard stuff. I figured this can't take long. It's a big fella. It is a big fella. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, a, it's a big fella. It's a mid-major big fella. No. Jarvis Varnado, Mississippi State, 2006. Oh, man, I know Jarvis Varnado. Shouts to Derek in the chat. He got it there. Okay, explain yourself. What the hell was this? It was, was it was rigged. Why was the, why was it even rigged to begin with? And what were you doing? What were you doing there? 
I don't know. I was just I was just asked, can, can you be there on the 13th? We're going to do a Grizzly social media night. I said, sure. And so I took my little guy. And then at halftime, we played Simon Says. You ever seen this guy, Steve, that plays Simon Says? He pulls people I out have. of the ground. Yeah. If you've been to, if you've been to a, a college, probably maybe in a college sporting event, or maybe an NBA event. This has been a thing for at least, I want to say, a decade brings a whole bunch go it continue up but i've seen it a couple times yeah. okay so so last night I, trivia happens second time out first quarter right so the rest of the night i'm walking around fedex forum my little guy and i've got this yellow hoodie on so it stands out and people are like uh hey gp that was amazing <laughs> like <laughs> people are very impressed at my trivia yeah, yeah, exactly. uh, cuz if you don't know any better if you don't know anything about me you might think i really do know all that stuff so um so Massive then fraud on the on an unsuspecting populace so then we go uh we play simon says and i get put out pretty quickly all right and that was that this morning i get on my flight all right and i just i'm half asleep you know it's an early flight and i barely slept and i just get on my flight airpods i sit down and I'm 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 in my seat and I'm now and I'm looking, you know, I got a hat on and I'm not paying attention to anything. These two guys are walking, the plane's boarding. These two guys are boarding. I swear to God, this is true. These two guys are boarding, and one of them goes, I can hear him say to his other, to his buddy, he goes, Hey, that's the guy from last night, the guy that played Simon Says. And I looked up and I went, Hey, what's up, guys? And it was Jacob Gilliard. Steve from Simon Says was sitting right behind oh. me. <laughs> They weren't even talking about me. They didn't know. They didn't know who I was. Oh, that's epic! Oh, that's beautiful. It was, it they, they, they're not even talking about you. No, no, oh, it's oh, amazing. The, the the Simon Says guy was seated directly behind me, and they just walked right past me. They didn't care about me at all. <laughs> there's there's oh, one. That's there's, just. There's one other time that happened. Beautiful. I was at a, I was at youth baseball, like my little guy's baseball games. And, uh, you know, it, it's not abnormal for somebody to come over and say, hey, GP, you know, I'd like the show, stuff like that, whatever. It's not it, that, that does happen sometimes. So this guy, I'm walking around and I've got a, a, a shirt on. It's like a blue shirt. It says Dunder Mifflin on it. It's a simple shirt. Right. So I'm just walking around the baseball park and a guy, the guy looks at me and he goes, oh, man, that's my fa- my favorite show. And I said, hey, what's up? And he goes, my favorite show, man, you man show is so funny oh, every time man so funny I, I said <laughs> i said i i swear to god i said i said oh man i i appreciate that i'm gary what's your name he goes i'm jimmy i said nice to meet you jimmy he goes man i love the office <laughs> <laughs> had no idea who i was mm, little humble pie every so often <laughs> ain't the worst thing for the diet i love that stuff man i think you've i think that might even be a previously told uh been on the podcast but <laughs> i know that shirt you've worn that shirt on this show before hey, yeah hey, no, i never i never wear it again i never wear it again I, i'm not gonna get confused like that again no, you, I, you absolutely do need to wear it again we are almost done why was the game rigged for you oh i don't know i don't i really what? didn't ask i didn't i didn't really know what we were doing i uh i i was asked if i could be there and they said it's going to be trivia i honestly thought I was going to be asking the questions. I, th- I thought I was going to be hosting a trivia thing. And so then they were like, well, do you want the answers then? And I was like, well, yeah, I don't want to look stupid in front of, you know, 14,000 people. So sure. 
And so then they sent me the answers. And then when I got there last night, they were like, all right, it's you and Bennett against these two other guys. And I was like, I know all the answers. <laughs> so then I just played it. I just played along with it. Oh, <laughs> well, there you have it. That's a show. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle, legend. Shouts to Huck and Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening and watching the Ion College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe. Anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify, there's more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comments. Shouts to Simon Says Steve. We'll talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, shit. what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.